We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to the Brooklyn Buzz, presented by OGGBasketball.com and NetsRepublic.com. I'm your host, Nick Fay. With me, as always, Jack Manuel. How are we doing, Jack? This episode is loading, Nets fans. <laughs> it is loading. We are talking D'Angelo Russell. Before we get started, you know, you can find us on iTunes, Blog Talk Radio, OGBasketball.com, NetsRepublic.com, Dash Radio, and YouTube. But let's get right into it. You know, we're doing a preview series for all the players. We're going to preview the team as well. But today is D'Angelo Russell. We're going to look back quickly at last year. Like we mentioned on the other shows, you can check out our season review pods we did on them. They're still on iTunes and whatnot. But D'Angelo showed a ton of star potential last year, obviously, in those first 12 games, 20 points per game, over five assists, just a touch under five rebounds. Only negative stat really was the four turnovers, but he shot 46% from the field. And then, sadly, he went down with injury and ended up only playing 48 games. Jack, what were your thoughts on last year with D'Lo? The injury cruel's always the the most talented, Nicholas, you know, and, and, and it seems to be in basketball more than anything else, obviously. Maybe it's just more that we follow it more. Um, but I think if the injury didn't occur, it's a major what if about D'Lo's season. Uh, there's Huge. a major. I think it would have been who knows what he could have been. He could have been going into. Could we have offered him, uh, tendered him uh, a contract to offer him a, a near max deal? Um, obviously, uh, it, he's saying all the right things. He's doing all the right things. Um, he's buying into the Brooklyn system. But last season, I, I think that he showed enough. Um, I think he the the experience for him on and off the court is going to hold him in good stead going into 2018-19. Yeah, it was a big mental challenge for him. Yeah. You know, on the court, we saw a lot of great things early on, but mentally coming back from injury, getting comfortable with yourself, learning a lot about your teammates, fitting into a new role because when he left, he was that lead guard, and obviously Spencer Dinwiddie popped up and really took his game to another level. Even Karis LeVert took his game to another level as a guard, so he had to really adapt, and I felt like, Later in the season, you know, towards the end, he started to find that form again. I know one game against Orlando really stuck out to me at 16, 12, and 5. 
and he didn't score a ton. He was just running the show, and he just had a really good feel for the game. Yeah, he sort of said, and Jared Dudley, uh, I remember a quote from him. I can't remember if it was from Media Day or whatever, but he's like, you can easily score, but it's about how much uh, better can you make your teammates. And yeah. D'Angelo, I think, in another comment from the Media Day, there were so many of them. Make sure you check it out. Um, obviously, that's for public for that, and I've got a piece on OGGBasketball.com about it as well. But he and was we got a pod. <laughs> I mean, there's, there's so much, man. Um, but also the, the fact that he was sort of reiterating the fact that he's buying in to Coach Kenny's system. Now, a lot of people will see D'Lo as outsiders, as like this selfish guy. You can only score. You know, he wants to do his own sort of thing. He's a sort of, you know, freelance sort of basketballer in, in, in many senses. But he's buying into the Brooklyn way, and he's going to be a key part of that. And we're going to get to plenty of that in, in this episode. Exactly. It just seems like he's really buying to that. And like you said, the the storyline and the narrative surrounding D'Lo, I think, has changed and more people will start to see that this upcoming season. But let's talk a little bit about last season in terms of a success or a disappointment. Uh, I think it's got to be a disappointment, Nick, but it's not uh, through circumstances that D'Lo could control. You know, it seemed to be a big theme at Media Day, control the controllables. I love that saying myself as well. But uh, it was a success for the most part when he was out on the court. But, you know, the disappointment came with the injuries for me. Yeah, I think, like you said, overall disappointment because of the injury, but there was success in giving us a taste of that, you know, star potential. Yeah, yeah. But looking at the strengths, you know, obviously playmaking, passing ability, the ability to make his teammates better, you know, the pull-up game for mid-range, the basketball IQ, the craftiness, and just the overall feel. What were some strengths for D'Lo for you last year? Yeah, um, if I'm going to co copy Corey Waldron, I'm going to say copy and paste. But <laughs> yeah, shot creation, his shot creation off the dribble. Uh, he's an underrated passer. You know, I, I think all of those things that uh, I think it's become a, a major focal point of his game. Um, but at the same time, you know, it was always there. But I think he's the balance in his game. I, I'm really excited to see going into next season. Yeah, and those bounce passes we saw last year, the no-look passes, you know, just really catching the defense off guard. And, like, you know, some of the teammates have mentioned that at media day and early in training camp and last season that he's just, like, two or three steps ahead of the other players in the court in terms of seeing the floor. And I thought that's always something important, not to compare him to Jason Kidd in any way or anything like that, but they do have similar vibes in the way they can kind of control the game and they can do things without necessarily scoring the basketball. Yeah, I remember seeing an article, I can't remember through which platform it was, but there was this poet who had a, a real fascination with the way D'Angelo Russell plays basketball. Now, the, the awesome thing about basketball is that it's, it's a really artistic and expressive sport. And D'Angelo sort of, you know, epitomizes that in many ways. Now, there are so many other basketballers that you could rattle off, Jason Kidd, Stephen Nash, Russell Westbrook in many ways. But there's so many, and I think it's it's really nice to see that, you know, uh, D'Lo, a guy who probably hasn't reached that potential yet, is still getting this this fascination from not just, you know, the, the basketball public, but even people outside that. So um, it's going to be fascinating to watch him grow this season. Yeah, he does kind of feel like an artist out there in a way. And I think yeah. another thing that would be a strength of his is the ability to kind of take over the game. Like we talked about Crab. You know, we saw D'Lo drop like seven threes in a quarter. You know, he's a guy that can get super hot as well. But talking on the negative side, weaknesses, obviously we know the defense is an issue he needs to improve. Consistency needs to pick up. We want to see a better percentage from the jumper and physicality and getting more to the free throw line, which we saw early in the year. But then when he came back from injury, it wasn't as much. And I think obviously some of that's being injured. But what were your thoughts on weaknesses? Yeah, for me, Nick, uh, I think with the consistency related to that is the efficiency yeah. uh, in terms of being able to make the right shots, make the right passes. And obviously that also relates to turnovers, taking care of the ball a little bit better. 
Um, obviously, you know, when he had such a high usage, which we'll get to later in the episode, it can lead to an increased amount of turnovers. You know, James Harden, Russell Westbrook, two of the guys who lead the league in, in usage percentage are going to have the highest amount of turnovers, similar to like a LeBron James. But, you know, we don't expect him to be a Spencer Dinwiddie, but obviously that's one area where we'd like him to sort of touch up a little bit, especially in Coach Kenny's system where efficiency is, is certainly key. And, you know, that three-point shooting started off really nicely and, you know, he has that ability. Um, but it's certainly tapered off later in the season, you know, finishing the season, you know, less than like 33%. Um, so it's certainly an area where we wanted to be more consistent. So consistency across the board and just efficiency for me. And I would say a little bit of shot selection, I think at times, and we talked about this on the buzz, he was a lot better as a spot up three point shooter instead of trying to pull up from three, which is a lot more difficult. Obviously it's something he wants to add to his game and to touch on the turnovers too. And I know you've brought this up, the pace the Nets play, they're a little bit faster. Some of the riskier passes are going to come along, but he could still clean that up. And physically, which we've seen him really work on this summer, I think will be really benefit him, but we'll talk about that actually next. Areas you want him to improve on this year. Yeah, the shot selection, Nick, you know, taking care of the ball, uh, that three-point shooting like you mentioned. Uh, I think the off-the-dribble three can be a weapon of his because he can do it from the mid-range, even deep um, from two. But, you know, if he can, you know, take that step or two back a couple of feet, then I think it can be an absolute weapon. And, you know, just that activity on the defensive end. Um, you know, obviously, he's had a decrease in steals last season, whether that was because of the fact that he was, you know, not healthy and, you know, the, the um, coach can even ask so much of him on that end of the floor. But I think just being engaged, and I think the system that's being tailored to him and that's coming out of, you know, Nets right now in terms of the switching defense, I think Delo can see an increased activity uh, from there. But also, Nicholas Letourneau put out a piece uh, and a video breakdown of the fact that, you know, he's not uh, necessarily, the stats say he's not necessarily a bad defender, but the eye test obviously, you know, conflicts with that. So I think you take it with a grain of salt. I think there is some potential to be a solid defender. I don't think he'll ever be elite because of, you know, the foot speed. But I think physically, like we mentioned, you know, he put a lot of work in, in the gym. If you can get a little bit stronger and take advantage of that frame and some of the length he has, and maybe to develop into a nice off-ball defender, you know, somebody that can help out. We just mentioned his basketball IQ. There's no reason that he can't kind of step up in that way. And would you compare him, say, as well, Nick, because, you know, James Harden has been known to be a defensive sieve throughout his career, but... Last season, you know, he was certainly engaged on that end of the floor. And because he has some size about him, some strength about him, you know, in the post where they were trying to bully him, Harden, I mean, that they just couldn't take advantage of him because he was active, he was engaged, he was low to the floor, he was using his strength, his core. I think D'Lo has that ability. Obviously, there's a lot of comparisons in their game. But even defensively, I think that there might be, you know, some sort of similarities. Yeah, no, I agree. I think there's little things you can take. And like we said, James Harden isn't necessarily the quickest player from side to side, but he can take advantage of that size and that strength in which D'Lo is developing. Also, even look at a guy like Steph Curry and people are going to be like, Steph Curry and D'Lo in the same sense. No, I'm just talking about his defense and the way Steph kind of uses his body and he doesn't ever really lock anyone down, but he positions himself in a really good way where it just makes life more difficult for the offensive player. Yeah, absolutely. I think that those are both fair comparisons. And, you know, we say it more than almost any other. We're, I'm sure there's plenty of cliches we try out, but when it comes to defense, it's about engagement and energy. And I think Dilo's going to bring that this season. Yeah, and I think some of that comes with the new leadership that we've seen him kind of add on to his game and being engaged. And if you want to be a leader, you need to kind of show it on the floor. Another area I'd like to see him improve on is get to the free throw line. He's so crafty. His pump fakes are so great. There's no reason he can't be bringing up James Harden again. Get hands tangled in there and get to the line, get some easy shots at the rim him get that percentage up too 
Yeah, I think that it's going to come down to the comfort with that. It's not a necessarily part of the game that, you know, Delo's sort of used to. So it's going to take in terms of when we get to how the coaching team will help, how they can help him improve in that area because it's an easy way to get buckets. Spencer Dinwiddie, when he did that throughout the season, that's when he looked at his best and that's when his shot fell. We talked about Alan Crabbin in a previous episode about him getting to line so we can see the ball hit the basket, you know, the mental game of basketball. Once you see the ball going through that through that net, it just makes you feel a lot a little bit better that dopamine rush that gets going and just gives exactly. you that energy that you need so um I'll, i'd like to see it but again you know it's probably a lesser part of his game if he can sort of make it somewhat of a, a threat it doesn't necessarily have to be a, a crux to his game but it can uh, be a sort of added string to his bow yeah i think early on we saw him get inside more and then it looked like when he came back from injury he was a little bit more timid going in there yeah. and i think physically you know like i've mentioned like three times already the muscle he should put on should help him in that area i'm hoping and he'll feel a little bit more confident getting in there because we know he is crafty he get past his offender he has the handles you know catch people trying to pick in there but uh how are his teammates going to help him improve and his coaches Look, in terms of the teammates, Nick, sort of what we've been talking about in terms of being able to get in that space, we've got some really nice screeners now in Kenneth Farid and Ed Davis. That's going to be able to get him the space to get off some open shots, you know, make those shots easier for him. You know, not necessarily taking the bad shots, the contested shots. You know, when they're when they're there, you know, take them if it's, you know, bailing out on the, a late clock situation, but also being able to get to the line. You know, if Ed Davis gives you that, you know, little, um, little glimpse of hope, you'll be able to get that little inch of space and Delo can use, you know, his newfound somewhat athleticism and fitness to sort of get there. Uh, and I think as well, in terms of the coaches, utilizing him with the right lineups. I've said this plenty of times, but you put D'Lo with the Kenneth Farid. D'Lo's got a really nice passing game. The alley-oops are going to be there. D'Lo and Jared Allen weren't necessarily a, a massive tandem, but you know that photo that's been making the rounds is one of my favorite things, and I'm really looking forward to the relationship they can build on the court. And obviously, D'Lo and Allen Crabb are going to be a huge part of our offense in general. Um, obviously, they're not the best defensive players, but we've seen them make some strides there. So I think those two are going to be a huge part in how they sort of worked in tandem in that backcourt. Yeah, and I remember looking up some of the duo numbers with the other guards, and I feel like he played really well with Allen Crabb. And the Jared Allen, too, I think he started to pick up towards the end of the season, but maybe when he first came back, the oops weren't necessarily there. Maybe that chemistry, I think, will improve just spending more time on the court. And like you said, you know, having Ed Davis setting screens, Kenneth Farid, another guy that he can throw an oop to, more veterans on the floor, I think, will help kind of being in the right place and kind of seeing the floor more similar to him. And then just kind of communicating on defense and helping D'Angelo out. You know, he does have trouble at times getting over screens. Make sure you call those out. Yeah, definitely. And I think as well, uh, in terms of the coaching staff, we saw at times throughout the season, Coach Kenny and D'Lo, uh, there were times where he would get subbed and sort of get a, a bit of a grilling. But, you know, D'Lo has come out and said that, you know, their relationship is as strong as ever. They love breaking down the film. They have a very sort of two-way relationship. But I think I'm looking forward to next season, you know, because the maturity of a lot of our guys, you know, this isn't just, you know, a maturity level for for the D'Lo and the players, but it's also for Coach Kenny and having that trust in his players. You know, if they make mistakes, let them play through it. Or if you want to call a timeout, yeah, but don't necessarily just yank them every single time they make a mistake. Let them sort of, they've got that maturity level now. They've got that experience now. You've built that foundation. Let them play through it. There are the vets on the floor that can help them through that as well. So I'm looking forward to see how the relationship with the coaching staff continues to develop. Yeah, a little bit longer leash, you know, especially when he's hot. You know, I think there was times last year when people were upset and they took him out, especially when he came back from injury, had some of the hot stretches, and then, you know, they wanted to keep the minute restriction down, which is understandable, but I think at different times you might need to kind of leave him in there a bit. 
obviously this question is going to be maybe the easiest one I've thrown at you yet. Starter or bench player? Starter. Next one, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> you sure don't want to go into depth on that one? No. Another one. Another one. Next All right. One. Minutes. What do we got? Uh, this one it gets a little bit trickier because we know how much Coach Kenny doesn't love to run his guys in the floor. The pace of our system can be a bit taxing on players, but we've seen the fitness of D'Lo. We've seen the fitness of literally everyone, you know, grow exponentially. It's it's media day. Obviously, everyone's saying the right things, but I think if anyone's going to average the most minutes next season, it's going to be D'Lo. So it's going to be thirty minutes plus. Does he average thirty one? Does he average thirty two? Is it late twenty nines? I don't think it necessarily matters, but I think, like you said, we're going to see D'Lo ride out the game a little bit bit more if he is healthy and you know his goal like i said in the media day episode is to play 82 games if he's healthy he's going to be averaging the most minutes i can't can you see anyone challenging him for the most minutes uh in terms of if he is healthy not right off the bat i just think unless somebody else were to have a really big breakout year and do something and take another jump in their game but i mean I think D'Angelo probably is the lock to have the highest minutes or close to it. You know, maybe, you know, if Kenny were to give him under 30 and like somebody else had like 30, I don't think there'd be anybody who has more minutes than him by more than like a minute or two. Yeah, because obviously I talked about in the last episode, the difference between Damari Carroll at 29.9 and Alan Crabb at 29.3. We mentioned Alan Crabb about that 30 range again. So does Alan Crabb and D'Lo have the highest range? Probably because they're our two best offensive players. Damari's just a stalwart. Um, and we'll obviously we'll talk about him in coming episodes, but I think that you're likely to see, you know, D'Lo, if not first, second, uh, I'd be surprised to see him any lower than that in minutes played per game. Yeah, especially for the season we expect from him. I got 32 minutes for him. I think he'll jump a little bit, and I think there's just a lot of potential, and he wants to take that next step, and I think the Nets really want him to take that next step, and I think a lot of players on the team, new and old, believe he's the most talented guy. He could be the star of the team. Now, yeah. usage-wise, a jump around the same, what are your thoughts? Uh, I'd like to see a slight decrease, actually, Nick. Now, he was 30.1% last season. Uh, depending on who he's playing alongside in the backcourt and his efficiency with the ball in his hands, uh, maybe a slight drop to that 29% range. Just that 30 number seems you know, a little bit high. Now, partly I'm partly saying that because his efficiency last season with the ball in his hands wasn't as great as I'd like it to see. If he's averaging, you know, two turnovers a game, like he was at three last season, if he's bringing that turnover number down, then keep the ball in his hands for as long as you want. But I still think that he is a developing player in the NBA. He doesn't have the experience uh, right yet to be like a Chris Paul where he can dribble the ball out or a James Harden where he can just hold the ball for as long as possible and then make an ISO play. He doesn't have that level of expertise yet. Now, he's going to start to show that hopefully this season. So for me, uh, late 20s, maybe 30s. What about you? Yeah, I think it's a little bit of a decrease, like you said, Jack. I think the uh, the offense runs a little bit smoother when there's ball movement and things are going crispy. You know, I think sometimes you're going to want them to ISO and maybe get a pick and roll or something along those lines. And then also the development of the other ball handlers on the team. Like we mentioned before, Dinwiddie took a jump. Levert took a jump. Now we got Shabazz Napier. You know, other guys I'm sure are going to want to try to test out things in their game. So I think a little bump down, but not anything crazy. Yeah, if that bump does come down, it's because it's going to be because he's passing the ball a little bit more as well. Which he's not we want. Exactly. And that's what we're looking for for Dilo. And that's what he's looking for for himself. So I'm sure he'd probably echo our sentiments if he were to be asked the same question. Now, getting into that statistics, what do you got for me as his line? 
Uh, I'm going 18 points per game, uh, a touch above, maybe seven assists. Stop, uh, four... Jack. This is the second show in a row. We got the same numbers. <laughs> <laughs> um, there is a reason we do a podcast together, my friend. Uh, I'm going to go four rebounds. And the... <laughs> I've got the same thing. Oh, man. Well, okay. What about steals? What do you got? I didn't put anything for steals. I, I would say a touch over one, and then field goal percentage-wise, I had him at 44 and three-point and 36. Yeah, I, I mean, I'd like those too. Uh, I didn't do the percentages. But for me, I, I want to increase back on those stealing numbers because I think defense is going to be a huge part of our game next season. You know, it's been a, a major focus in the offseason. Uh, even at the the most recent training camp, I, I can't remember if it was today, day two or day one, where they were basically spending the majority of the time, you know, on defensive schemes, defensive planning, and then the rest uh, was in a little bit of scrimmages. You know, I sort of saw the word coming out from Coach Kenny and the like. So I'd like to see his stealing numbers get back up because he's averaged over one, I believe, in his first and second season. He, he took a dip last season. We talked about that. So I want him to get back to one steal per game. It's It's just a nice little round number. Yeah, and I think the Nets in general need to force more turnovers. I believe they were last in the league in forcing turnovers, which is huge, which also hurt them in transition because they weren't a great transition team. So I think getting one or two steals from your guards is going to make a big difference, especially get things going. Yeah, we saw that Coach Kenny, we, we heard about it last season. I've talked about it on the pod, but he's also talked about it, continues to talk about the, the emphasis for guard rebounding. Yeah. Um, so I think that's why we'll see, you know, the D'Lo, Karras, Spencer. But at the same time, if we have the elite rebounding of Ed Davis and Kenneth Freed out there, if they need to get the ball, then don't just let them just box out for a guy like D'Lo. Let them get their board and then just give that little dinky pass. Do the Steven Adams sort of type where you tap it down to Russell or something like that. Tyson Chandler, like you've mentioned. Um, I'm all for guard rebounding, but if it's not at the expense of losing in the rebounding battle. So I think there needs to be a balance there, but that's more of a, a, a schematic team-wise. What are your thoughts on triple-doubles next year? How many do you think we'll see from D'Angelo? Um, we brought this up before, but I couldn't remember where we sat. I think it was more of an over and under number. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see. I think 10 is a nice over under number. If he's playing 82 games, you know, 10 would be a, a very nice number. I'm going to probably go maybe, maybe eight. I think yeah. eight would be nice every sort of 10 games or so. You know, he's getting a triple double, but you know, if he's averaging 18, five and five, something around those sort of numbers or 18, you know, seven and five or whatever we're talking about then I think, you know, he's going to get his triple-doubles here and there. Um, but for me, it's always going to be about the assist numbers. Um, I think that's the most important thing. And I'll ask you a question as well, because I've got a couple written down. The the long-running debate, obviously, when we first traded for D'Lo, and obviously this is more of all, sort of on the Lakers side as well, do you think that he's going to end up being a better player than Lonzo Ball? Mm, that's a really good question. Obviously, I'm going to have some bias, you know, being a fan of D'Angelo and being a fan of some of the things he do he does. And I also think shooting is so important. I think whoever develops their jump shot better is going to be the better player, in my opinion. Obviously, Lonzo does some things that D'Angelo doesn't do, but obviously D'Angelo does some things Lonzo doesn't do. So far, what I've seen right now, I think I would probably lean towards D'Angelo. And I know a lot of people are like, Lonzo is going to be so great, but I think D'Angelo has... Like just, I don't know what, I don't know how to explain it necessarily in words, which is terrible because I'm doing a star, podcast. Is it a star sort of potential that Lonzo might not have? Like, he's, Yeah, I think Lon that's what it is. And I just think like D'Angelo could actually take the game over scoring wise. Like not saying that's going to be something he relies on. I don't ever really envision a game where I'm seeing Lonzo drop 30 based off of what I saw last year. Obviously a lot more growth can happen, but I don't see a games where I can see Lonzo dropping 30 or 40 points where I can see that come from D'Angelo because he can get so high. 
Yeah, I think the impact that these guys have, you know, if you're going through just the, the the skills of the game, you know, you could tick one for Lonzo when it comes to like rebounding and defense, but you could give a tick for Dilo when it comes to scoring and just shooting. Um, obviously, Lonzo has worked on his shot in the off season. We'll see how that comes it's, in. It's still ugly. <laughs> it's still not great, but it's going in. You know, when it's, it's Sean Marion. If if it's an ugly shot, but it goes in, who cares? Um, Delo's stroke does look a little bit nicer, obviously. Um, I, but as well, I, 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 it's, I'd, I'd probably go with Delo as well. Um, I'd be, I don't know if you'd let me go back on the podcast if I didn't <laughs> say Delo. But in terms of a, a, a last one from me, Nick, you know, around that sort of range, we've talked about it a little bit in terms of Delo. Where do you think he finishes the season in terms of top guards? Like, if you're giving me like a top 10 range, top 15 range, you know, in, in terms of hoop type, I looked at their article again. Collison was at 15, Jamal Murray at 14, Bledsoe was at 13. Do you think he can be in that range or a little bit better? Yeah, I think he could definitely get in the top 15 this year. If everything were to go perfect and he were to just really click and the Nets were to play really well, maybe get into that top 10. But I think top 15 is a realistic goal for D'Angelo Russell, especially in a contract year. Yeah, I think that, that would uh, it would have mean a very successful season for our Nets. And obviously, for Dilo, he'd be getting a nice payday. But, you know, Dragic, Larry, Conley, Walker, we sort of compared him to Walker a little bit. Obviously, Walker's at that ninth, I think, in that in that article. Um, obviously, we'll be coming out with some OTG stuff in terms of our list of best players in the league. But, yeah, I think that he can push for that. I think that Dragic, you know, at 12 is a Could realistic drop. goal. And I think he will drop, obviously. You know, Larry Conley and Walker, if those guys are healthy, I don't think he's at that level yet. We've seen those three guys do it on a very consistent level. And they are, you know, for, they're stars. They're all-stars. They're proven all-stars. Obviously, Conley isn't because he's in an absolutely stacked conference. And, you know, if he was in the East, you know, we'd be talking about him a lot differently. But I think D'Lo has that potential. Um, and he's going to be knocking on the door of all-star. But hopefully, um, like he... He said uh, in media day yesterday and on the Twitter page that he does get to a, a full health, of, a full bill of health, so he can play 82 games and you know have a real, real nice season ahead. Yeah, I agree. Uh, another question for you, Jack: How many tennis games do you think we'll see from D'Angelo next year? Tennis games, and I think that'll probably increase a little bit more than uh, the triple double number. So I said eight. Uh, I'll probably go with if he's having eight triple doubles, and I'll add maybe five on that. Say 13. I'd say. He could maybe push the 15 range as well. But if he's averaging seven, you know, he's certainly going to be having those 10 assist nights. Um, I, I don't, I'd rather see, you know, if he's having a big scoring night, he has like three assists, then that's okay. I just want to see a nice balance in his game. If the balance leans toward his passing one night, I think it's going to be about the maturity and just the expertise about, and the basketball IQ, sorry, about D'Lo. Can he read the game better this year and go, okay, what's the game asking of me now? I think the best players that we've ever seen just know what the game is giving them. They know what the, the opponents are giving them. You know, LeBron James has been known to sort of have his feel-out quarters, his feel-out games. Now, in an 82-game season, you can have those a little bit, but I think Dilo doesn't have that sort of luxury because he's trying to prove himself a little bit. Um, hopefully, his IQ shows from an early standpoint. Yeah, no, I agree. I think that's a fair number to get to, and I think that's what we're looking for is really, like Jared Dudley said, it's more about making your teammates better. We know you can do certain things on the floor, but that passing, the ability to make other guys better and help the team win is going to impact more than if you're just pulling up for mid-range or something. Definitely, definitely. All about making his teammates better, all about helping us get to those playoffs.
And the funny thing is you brought up uh, Lonzo and D'Angelo, and the thing is, like, both those guys can make their teammates better, and I think that's what makes them so valuable. And it's so interesting that if they were to stay in the same team with the Lakers, I wonder how that combination would have worked out. No, a lot of people are like, oh, it would have never worked. But I think there's ways where that could have worked. Obviously, that's hindsight, and this isn't, um, you know, the Laker buzz. But um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but talking all-star game, what do you would you put the chances on percentage-wise that he'll be in the all-star game? As an observe. Uh, now, I did the hot take marathon and I said that he will make it. Obviously, it's so you got to go with 100% now. <laughs> I, I don't know like how much extra percentage points I have to take off because it was a hot take. Um, I'll go slow, I'll go 38%. Um, I, I think that 50%, one in a one in two chance is a little bit high. Um, now, if we're talking around the, the Eastern Conference, obviously, it's lessened a little bit with the, the departure of a guy like. Um, LeBron James and DeMar DeRozan. So there are a couple of open spots, but Ben Simmons didn't make it last season either. So I think that he's going to definitely be knocking on the door, if not an automatic walker. Um, is Jimmy Butler going to be coming back to the Eastern Conference? There might be another spot that's that's taken away, but I think he's likely to get there as a reserve. Um, but as a starter, I don't think he has much of a chance. But I remember doing uh, in that piece for OTG Basketball, you know, the fan voting is going to be a big thing. D'Lo has that cachet about him. He's got the Instagram followers. He's got the look. He's got the Twitter followers. It's going to be about if he can produce consistently and stay healthy by January, then he's got every chance because that that injury early in the season, 12 games in, is sort of what robbed him. And he still came like 15th or 16th uh, off the top of my head in fan voting uh, around the range of Goran Dragic. So I think that, you know, he's certainly got every chance. Yeah, I agree. I would probably put it around like 35%, pretty close, between 35 and 40%. I think obviously there's different factors we didn't know in terms of minutes and usage. But if you were to play like you did in those first 12 games and become a little bit more efficient with turnovers, no reason not to see him there. No, absolutely. I think it's going to be coming down to a lot of the things that we've said. And, you know, I'm sure that all, all the listeners would echo our sentiments and saying wanting to see him there. But if he can make any improvements in his game, he's going to give himself every chance. Yeah, and obviously the Nets winning will have an impact. You know, they tend to give it to more of like playoff teams or teams that are right in the playoff race than teams who are at the bottom of the league. So that's going to be important. Where will the hype be about D'Lo by the end of the season? Where Nets fans be like clinging to him that he'll be the cornerstone, he'll be the guy to lead us. There's no chance Sean Marks let him go in free agency or there'll be a little bit less hype. Oh man, this is a really hard one to answer, Nick. Um, obviously, it's going to come down to the fact of how healthy can he be. If he makes the All Star game, that gives him all the credence in the world. You know, he's just going to go, "Look, I've made the All Star game." You know, in an Eastern Conference, albeit, um, but I think that I think the hype around him will only increase after this season because Nets, Nets fans, Nets listeners, Buzz listeners, Nets Republic followers. Uh, are all in on D'Lo and are all in on the D'Lo hype train and the Carousel hype train. But the D'Lo hype train needs to extend beyond that because I, I listen to plenty of other just general NBA podcasts and they've all sort of jumped off D'Lo. You know, former lottery pick. Um, so it's going to be about can he get the the respect outside of the Brooklyn organization, outside of the Brooklyn followers. That's going to be the key for me in terms of how much hype he can garner. Yeah, because it seems like when you talk general NBA, it's either somebody's really hot on D'Lo or they're really cold. They're like, oh, well, he's not going to be anything. But I think last year he really showed flashes. It was really just the injury that, you know, kind of dampered that season. But uh, any last thoughts you want to get on D'Angelo before we get out of here? Look, I'm just excited for D'Lo. Um, I want to be able to hopefully buy a D'Lo jersey by the end of the season. Um, I'll be jumping on board. Obviously, Joe Harris will be the first one that I get whenever I make it back to the States. <laughs> but D'Lo's going to be a big part of our playoff hopes, Nick. And hopefully, as those full 82 games, he can reach his goal. 
Yeah, and that's one thing I'm hoping for for him personally is that he stays healthy because obviously that is just a real struggle. And I'm hoping that the work he put in this offseason in his body, he'll see the improvements it'll help him make and he continues to work in that area because I think we'd both agree in terms of physically, you know, he definitely made a jump, but there's still plenty of room to add on more muscle, more athleticism, and just kind of keep working in the gym. Fun, um, funnily enough, nigga, just um, on Twitter now, D'Angelo Russell 20 minutes ago, you're going to love this. Kind of hard me for, for, for me to say this because he's a Michigan guy, laughing emoji. But all jokes aside, Karis LeVert got better. Um, I'm loving this. I'm just loving the Nets chemistry and uh, a nice final word from D'Lo himself. Thank you, D'Angelo. Appreciate that. And obviously the Karis LeVert uh, season preview is going to be about two hours and 30 minutes long. <laughs> but uh, no, that wraps it up for D'Angelo, Jack. Always a pleasure. Like we said, check us out on iTunes, Block Talk Radio, OGBasketball.com, NetsRepublic.com, Dash Radio, YouTube, everywhere. So, And let us know what you think for sure on Twitter and whatnot. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Rootmetrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.